Everybody seems so far away this morning. Um, so I'm going to move up. Uh, maybe a little far, too far up. No. Um, can see, still see Hannah and Emma. Um, a couple things. We didn't, since the uh, technology didn't work this morning, I just wanted to highlight a couple things. Um, one, uh, we will send out via email, the Bloom on email, all the information that Susanna uh, talked about this morning regarding the funeral, cemetery, meal train, giving. So don't, don't feel like, oh, man, I didn't get it all written down. You'll, you'll be able to get it. Um, also, next week, we're going to start our Built on the Rock series. Okay, it's going to be four week uh, built on the rock. All of our network is doing it at the same time. We're all on different on a different schedule, but we're going to have these really cool journals and we're going to start like this Bible reading thing together as a community of believers. And it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. So next week we will start that. So be here, Um, you know, invite your friends. I know everybody's coming back today, tonight, this afternoon, tomorrow, back to classes. So I'm sure we're going to have a, a big crowd next week. So be sure come get your journal and let's get instructions and let's get moving on building our foundation strong um, going into 2022. Um, So the the other thing I wanted to mention, um, or maybe there's a few more things, is Empower. We had a great weekend this past weekend from Thursday night to um, Saturday. Uh, Saturday evening yesterday, we just kind of finished it off. We had over 100 college students just hearing the word, getting new worldview, paradigms, I mean, paradigms being penetrated, a great worship, um, just a great time of building our faith together and supercharging our faith in a sense going into the semester. And um, I'm really excited. I'm really tired, but I'm, I'm really excited. It was just a lot of energy and a lot of faith. Um, but... Uh, I'm excited to see what God does from that. And so we had a video, a, uh, like a post-empower video for you. Maybe we'll show it next week. <laughs> um, so we'll see. But, uh, you know, this morning, I just wanted to, before, before I get started, I wanted to, um, you know, I, ha- I had known Reagan for 21 years. Um, uh, I met her in 1999. And, you know, I, over the years, I knew her. My wife actually lived with the Hubs for two summers, I think, Jonathan. Um, when Adam and Anna were little, and that was quite an experience. Uh, she really enjoyed that. I think Adam harassed her a lot uh, as a two- or three-year-old, um, but they had a fun time. I think she watched them and helped Reagan and Jonathan during that time, um, but I really got to know Reagan, ironically, uh, just three years ago. Um, we went to Poland together, and we led a team together, and I realized she's very opinionated, and um, she could be prickly at times when you, you know, she had her preferences, and she wanted that to happen, and it was, it, it was really fun to get to know her and, uh, and work with her on that team to Poland, um, and she's just great, great lady, uh, unbelievable, unbelievable woman, and so thankful. You know, sometimes we think, oh, man, you're, you need to go, like, you know, lead all these people and do all this other stuff. Man, she was here for 17 years, pounding the pavement, seeing, helping young, young women and young men hear about Jesus, followed, teaching them to follow Jesus, doing the work, the heavy lifting. And I, that, that's a hero to me, I'm making people, helping people be disciples of Jesus. And so, um, you know, that's, that's, that, that's, my, that's one of my memories of Reagan. Um, Last week, we talked about the idea, um, so I'm going to get into the message now. Last week, we talked about the idea of found people, find people, um, and we're going to, guess what, today, we're going to have to go old school if you had your Bible, or you might have to get on your phone and get your Bible app, because we're not going to have it. 
so back here, okay? Um, so we, you, you kind of go along for the ride with me. But we gave a bit of the history of our movement and how God values lost people. We talked about the story of Matthew's calling and how Jesus pursued the lost, the sick, the hurting, the unhealthy, the sinners, and many people back then, the tax collectors. Um, you know, we, we showed how Jesus intentionally reached out to and spent time with lost people and how he wants us to do the same. And I think the videos we showed about the chosen videos were just great representation of kind of what that looked like. Um, and, you know, that, that our priority this year at Bluemont is, is to reach and disciple our neighbors, friends, coworkers, classmates, teammates. But that requires all of us to get in the game and participate. You know, so we, we, we said, hey, that's going to be the focus for Bluemont this year, and we're going to do that. We're going to go out and, and get in the community and get our hands dirty and doing what God asks us to do. But, unfortunately, in the U.S., a lot of churches uh, have this idea of this consumer mindset. You know, let the ministers and pastors, you know, do this work of ministry, and I'm just going to watch and say Amen. And just be like, hey, that was awesome. That was a cool story for Jonathan. Or that was a cool story for Brendan. But I could never do that. That's not the way the Bible says that church is supposed to work. Or that we as disciples are supposed to behave. Just being consumers. And that's what our culture, unfortunately in the U.S., has really, it it seems like that. Big, you know, nothing against churches that are like these big performances and all that. There's a lot of good in that. And there probably, there's some, a lot of those churches are making disciples. But we want to be people who are making disciples, but the church is the one that's going out and doing the work. The church. So, I'm going to start with Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. So I'm going to give you a second to get there. This is like old school. You have to actually wait till like people can get there um, before he just shows up. All right. And it, so we get in here, and he said, here's the work of the church. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In simple terms, the role of the church and ministry workers is to train is to train all of us. That's the role of the church, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, that seems so odd. Wait, Rich, you're supposed to be the one just out there doing the ministry all the time. Okay, I'm supposed to be doing that as a disciple of Jesus. I'm supposed to be doing that. You're right. But I'm also supposed to train others to do the work of ministry. All of us, as a follower of Jesus, you have a duty to do the work of ministry. The church's job is to train you. And if the church isn't doing a good job, we need to start doing a better job. We need to get on that. So who, So it says here, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, we said, hey, you are the saints. You are the saints. You're supposed to do this work of ministry. And it says, the, so what, I look at it and say, what is the role of ministry? What, what do we think of when we think of what are the works of ministry? Maybe winning people to Jesus, praying for people, that's a hard thing. I know a lot. I know. I know a lot. I've been in some. Uh, I was at that prayer meeting a couple weeks ago. Some people didn't want to pray. They were a little nervous. We got to teach you how to pray, so you can pray. You got to be able to pray for people. Leading, feeding the poor, leading people in worship, helping people reconcile. 
that's a big one right now in this culture. Have you guys been on Facebook or like uh, social media and all the fights going on right now? Um, we need to help people reconcile, teach the word, reading the Bible, caring for the sick, meeting needs, learning how to trust God. Basically, communicating God's heart to a broken world. Communicating God's heart to a broken world. And as it says in verse 12, building up the body of Christ. Okay? Building up the body of Christ. So those are the works of, that's some of the works of ministry. There's a lot of other things that I didn't include. You know, I, 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 you know, with caring for the sick, I think back to a story I'm not very good at that. My wife says I'm not very kind when, I'm, when she's sick. She says sometimes I'm kind of like, she says, you, sometimes you walk around mad or something when I'm sick. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm very sad. I want to help you. And she's like, no, you seem like you're grumpy when I'm sick. And, and I remember a story. Uh, we were, I was at uh, Morningstar and, in Lawrence, and um, our pastor there said, hey, can you go to the hospital and go visit this lady. She's sick. Can you go pray for her, encourage her, and just do this ministry of the sick? And she asked. So me and Rick Mullen, he's the executive pastor there, we went over to Topeka to go, you know, pray for this lady. And I was just thinking, man, this is so hard. This is so hard. I just like, man, maybe that's not my ministry, you know, caring for this. Because, you know, my wife had told me that already. And then, and then you know, John sent me there. Maybe John, maybe the, maybe God's trying to tell me, hey, bro, you need to get more compassion, you know, and be able to handle that. But that's our job, all of us, to do these kind of things. So let's move into 2 Corinthians. So get, get your Bible or your app and go to 2 Corinthians 5, 14. And we're going to go 14 to like 21. So just, we're going to just take two, two verses at a time here. Can you hear me in the back? I'm the, the mic's kind of... All right. All right, verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, it says here, Christ's love compels us to act. Now, the word compel is defined as force something to do, someone to do something. So if I compel you to do something, Hannah, you've got to go do this. If I, you know, I'm forcing her, like I may have to hold a gun to her. I say, hey, Hannah, you've got to go make, go make that coffee. Or go, you know, I'm compelling her to do that. She's, it says Christ's love compels us to act. It compels us. It's so powerful when we understand what he did for us. Christ's love forces us to no longer live for ourselves. We realize, man, this isn't about me. We're forced to live um, for, for him who died and was raised again. And that should grip us. I mean, if we understand this, if we understand the magnitude of what Jesus did on the cross, we can't do anything else but act. We, it, it's just it's so powerful. We've experienced the peace, the joy, the rest of knowing Christ's love. And we want others to experience it. That, that's really, that should be our heart. But wait, wait, wait. The, wait. the world that I live in right now seems to be that it's all about me getting my needs met. Man, give me my time to scroll social media. Give me my time to do this. Or it's all about you and your dream and your purpose and all that. Man, even in Christian circles, it's kind of like that some. And it seems like, man, are pastors avoiding this? Are we not teaching the right stuff? I don't know. 
But it's what, what, what this verse is saying to me is our needs are secondary and his purpose and plans become first place. And we need to look at that first. This says that selfishness needs to disappear and that we are supposed to live for him, someone greater. You know, um, my wife and I, it just seems over the years, we've seemed to counsel a lot of young couples they, that get married. They get married, and pretty early on, you know, they get past their first two or three months of honeymoon. Everybody's fine. Everything's good. Life is really great. And then things hit. You know, guy doesn't want to pick up his underwear off the floor. You know, somebody doesn't want to clean their dishes. So whatever it is, it's just, hey, man, I want my preference. I want to go with my buddies to the game every Saturday at this time. I have to go. You know, all these different things. And it's interesting. What we find is a lot of times that first meeting after they've been married, like usually it's three to six months out, it's like the people we're like finding ourselves saying, man, you got to die to your selfishness. You're selfish. You guys are really, really self. I mean, it's amazing. And, and it's like we're all into ourselves. And in this verse is saying, hey, we should be compelled to act and put Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross first. And that should be what we should be talking, talking about. It compels us to act about the, the word. So let's move on. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. So now we're going on to 16. All right. From now, so from now on, regard, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in, in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. Paul is telling us that when we choose Christ, we become a new creation. Pretty simple. Not, you know, We become a new model, not a makeover. Now, you know, like when you buy, people do that a lot now. Is there a show called Fixer Uppers, right? Isn't that show? Yeah. Yeah. This is not the way God is looking at it. He's saying this is a new model. You're, you're a new model. You're a new creation. There's not like, hey, we're going to fix this up and we're going to gut it. We're going to keep some things. And No, you're a new creation. Okay, he's not going to put a fresh coat of paint on it. You know, that's a big thing. It's like, man, just fix up all the exterior, you know, make it look nice, get new carpet, get new paint and just sell it, you know, with the bones, just leave the rest of it. No, he's giving us a whole, he's saying, hey, you're a new creation. God doesn't leave the ugliness of sin underneath. You know, the old is gone completely. Your past is just that, the past. And we need to look at people that way. Like, hey, the past is the past. Will you, will you still have some consequences of possibly poor decisions you made before you came a new creation? Likely. I mean, sure. But he looks at you as a new creation. He isn't worried about your past life. He wants you to give your allegiance to him and follow him from that day forward. It reminds me um, in the story in the Bible, you know, this woman is caught in adultery and all the, the religious leaders are there with Jesus and they're like, hey, what do we need to do this lady? We need to stone her. And he's like, hey, okay then if you haven't sinned, then throw the first stone, right? And he's sitting there. And then he says, um, he says, when they all leave, because none of them could do anything, he says, man, go and sin no more. Like, go follow. He didn't hold her past against her. He just said, hey, go. Start living for me. Sin no more, in a sense. And that, that's what he's asking us. We forget the past. Don't judge on worldly standards, but rather look at, at humans as image bearers. Man, we are image bearers. And that's hard to not look at somebody from a world, worldly point of view. 
Um, I remember when I first was coming around, uh, I was a law student, and I had had a bad relationship with a young lady, and this young lady had called this pastor and said, hey, you need to call my boyfriend and tell him to come to church and invite him and, you know, talk to him, and, and she called me, would you meet with this guy? And I was like, no, heck no, and I said some other words, and, and then I ended up, started to meet with him, and I started coming to church. But she was coming to church, too, at the same time. And there's a guy in this church later on. He told me, he's like, dude, I thought you were just coming to church to get back with her. There, Jonathan did, too. See that? There you go. Jonathan did the same. There you go. And actually, that what ended up not being true. <laughs> but I actually really had seen, like, man, God had transformed me. There was something that God had done in me. And then nobody was treating me as a new creation, unfortunately. See, Jonathan comes clean right now. There, there it is. No, but this, this man, he said, man, I thought you were just coming, you know. And I was like, no, I had, God had transformed me. And we need to look at people as, hey, their past is their past. We're going to take that, but we're going to move forward. We're going to go forward. And God has made you a new creation. In verse 18, It goes on and says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Okay, we like that. Okay. And he he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. You know, I want to spend the rest of our time talking about what it means to be that minister of reconciliation. That's kind of a big word. And I think the ministry of reconciliation refers to the work believers have been given to do and the message that they declare. To make right or to work, you know, I think of, when I think of reconciliation, I could think of, give you kind of a a definition from the dictionary, but for me, it's just like, hey, to make right or to work things out. You know, you reconcile with somebody, you work things out, now we're in good, you know, we're in good standing together. If I have a beef with Glenn, you know, I go talk to him, he talks to me, we work it out, man, we're reconciled. Now we're, we're working on the same page again, we're united. Um, so we clear the air. And when you choose to give your allegiance to Jesus, you, can, you then have a restored relationship with God through Christ, through Christ, through Jesus Christ. You see, our reconciliation with God should lead, lead to us helping others to do the same. Because we see what God did for us, and we're like, man... Okay, the, the word compel again, right? Com- should compel us to do that for others. It involves proclaiming the good news and its assurance of forgiveness of sin available in Christ. So, you know, I, I was talking to some young men this weekend at um, Empower, and something struck me. You know, I, I hear these comments all the time, like, I don't really feel like I have enough to share. I don't really know enough to share. I don't really, when you say good news, what does that mean? When you say share the gospel, what does that mean? You know, let's, let's just briefly say something. Let's talk about that. What is the good news? What is the message of reconciliation? When we're sinners, you know, like when you're a pre-Jesus follower, we are not in relationship with God. Our relationship is broken. So, you know, just sound, man, you're broken. You know, my relationship, Jonathan's God, my relationship is, right at this point, is broken as a not, as a, not a pre-follower, pre-Jesus follower, okay? God is holy and righteous, and our sin separates us from him. He's perfect. I'm not. Our, my sin separates us. And you could say that we are, may, in some ways, we could say we're his enemies. We're actively in the kingdom of darkness, okay? 
But when Jesus, who is perfect, dies on, died on the cross for us, he prays this price for us, and in, in a sense, it satisfies God's justice, and brings us back into right relationship with him, if we're willing to accept that. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, it says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Now we can be called God's friends and Jesus, brothers and sisters. Those who have been justified through faith by Jesus' blood no longer have their sins counted against them. They are reconciled with God. So the good news, if we accept it, is really good news. <laughs> it's really good news. We can be like Reagan, who is now celebrating, and God is telling her, well done and good and faithful servant. And he, she is celebrating with him, and we are restored. And we want to share that with others. In verse 20, it goes on to say, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we know that God has given believers this ministry of reconciliation. That is, he uses us to tell the world how to get right with God. In verse 20, he then says, We are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making the appeal through us. I love, I mean, in this, I love the way that God uses this um, analogy of an ambassador. Um, as a young man, my mom worked for an airline that many of you probably have never heard of. It was called Eastern Airlines. It was actually big. I mean, it was like the size of like American Airlines or United, something like that. It's really big. And um, we lived in Miami, Florida. And because she worked for the airline, we could fly for $6 for coach, $12 for first class. And back then they gave you these big fancy shrimp and all steak kind of meals on the planes. It was really nice. And as a kid, I was like, man, this is sweet. But there was a couple of stipulations. And we would fly a lot. We'd go all over the world and stuff. But we had to be there before the plane left two and a half hours early. And we ha I had to wear a suit. And my sister had to wear a dress or a skirt. That was the rules if you were going to fly standby as an employee of the airline. Okay? And so it was funny. And my last name was Lorenzo. The CEO of Eastern Airlines was Frank Lorenzo. So there was when they, back then the flight attendants knew your name when you were sitting in first class. Okay. Oh, Mr. Lorenzo, can I get you a hot napkin? You know, all these things. And you're, and you're like, oh, okay. These people think that, you know, there was just very, we got treated a little bit differently. Anyways. <clears throat> my mom said, you know, don't say anything that we're not related to him. <laughs> um, so we got to fly a lot. And what that, that gave me a vision is like, man, I always started hearing about ambassador. I was like, man, I want to be ambassador one day. I want to go into these countries and be like the mouthpiece for the United States and kind of be, man, this is great. I get to travel all around. I, man, I, I had a dream in some ways of, man, that would be a really cool job. I might want to look into the, the service and how to be into the foreign service that when I when I went to college. And here, <clears throat> my dream came true. I found, I found Jesus, and I get to be an ambassador regardless of what I thought I was going to be um, in, in the world. Um, when we become a new creation, our new role is that of an ambassador. In the United States, ambassadors are appointed by the president and serve in countries all over the world as the highest-ranking diplomat for the U.S. in that country. 
Okay, so usually, unfortunately, this is the way it is now, the biggest donors to the president's campaign that wins get, oh, you know, I really want to be the ambassador in the Netherlands. Okay, great, you are. All right, you know, oh, I want to be the one. Now, our strategic, there's a few strategic countries that they pick, like seasoned diplomats, but a lot of the countries, the ambassadors are just big donors to the president. That's the way it is now. Okay, they report, all these, all these ambassadors report to the Secretary of State, and their role is to represent the U.S. interests in that country. The ambassador is the mouthpiece for the president um, of the United States in the appointed country. So they go to big, big high-level meetings with the president of that country. They're always there for big dinners. They're supposed to celebrate the president of that country's birthdays. I mean, they're supposed to be the showing that, the, that country's leaders, hey, the U.S. is with you, we're with you, or they're there to tell them some hard news when they need to. <clears throat> as Christ followers, we've been appointed by Christ as ambassadors and given the task of helping people to get right. Our job is to represent God and be his voice on the earth. How do you think we're doing? Sometimes not so good, huh? Sometimes we're doing all right. Our message is simple. It's a simple message. Hey, be reconciled to God. That's our message. You know, get right with God. Don't stay disconnected. He desires a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. God wants to make his appeal through us. That's the verse that says, make his appeal through us. He's not, it's, it's interesting, that word appeal. As, a, as an attorney, you appeal. You're trying to influence. You're trying to make your argument. Make, he wants to make that appeal through us, through Glenn, through Anna, through Adam, through Richie. He wants to make that appeal through all of us. Broken vessels, people who were once lost sheep, but who are now found sheep. Found. We're found. We're now ambassadors. Not somebody who's perfect. You know, and I believe a ministry that we've been given is to turn hearts towards God is urgent and vital. It's truly a matter of life and death. You know, uh, has anybody here ever seen Susanna worship? A few people, right? Okay, this, I, was, I, you know, I had this message already done, and last night, Susanna's worship was like a person who was urgently going after God. I was like sitting there like, wow, this is some serious worship, just watching Susanna. And literally, I want to give you uh, a, 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 a... It was like... <laughs> Like she was going crazy and during worship. And I was like, man, that is somebody who really wants to give her all. And there's an urgency to give all of her worship to Christ. She doesn't care if she looks odd or she looks weird. She is really going all out in this worship. I would have been like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Like, but it was amazing. I was just like, Wow, it was, it was really, or it's like, if you've seen little kids before, they like, my, I have twins, the nine-year-olds, that they're my youngest, and one of them is very much, everything is an urgent matter. Everything is an urgent matter. Dad, 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 you got to come see this, you got to come see this. Dad, I, hey, in a few minutes, no, now, 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 you know, and she will not let you go until you come and see the little woolly bear under the wood pile. <clears throat> and I'm like, 
Julia, that is not an urgent matter, okay? That's not an urgent matter. But this is an urgent. We have to have an urgency. It's vital for us to, it's, this is truly a matter of life and death for people. We have to be willing to share the gospel. And you know what? If people don't respond, that's not, that's okay. That's not your job. Your job is to share the gospel. Share the good news. <clears throat> Can anybody get me some water, please? Can I, <clears throat> thank you. Um, I got something in my throat. Um, we need to be able to model a life just sold out for Jesus, a life that's grateful for his death on the cross. Um, we can't be one saying one thing and then living another way. We've got to be modeling it, guys, um, because really that, that would, the worst thing is that we, um, we aren't living it out. Um, we aren't living it out. Thank you. Um, Bailey. So here, at, here as we're getting close, Paul, Paul then continues in verse 20. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You know, basically get right with God. We are to tell people the wonderful opportunity they have to be made right through God, with God through Jesus. And then in verse 21, he reiterates, sins don't count against those who are reconciled in God through Christ, because God made him who had no sins be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Seems like a lot of repeating. And maybe is, maybe Paul is really trying to tell us something here and explain, like, man, this is, like, here's how it works. Like, go share the gospel. Your sins are, not, we're going to forget your sins. We're going to move on. You're a new creation. Seems like a lot of repeating. But maybe he had to get it through our thick skulls. You know, our job is to be ambassadors, messengers, proclaimers, reconcilers of the good news of King Jesus. All of us, not just some of us. It's not just Jonathan's job. It's not just Brendan's job. All of us need to be people who are making a big deal of Jesus everywhere. The, the K-State staff recently got me a shirt for my birthday that says, I've always wanted, says Jesus Freak. I've always thought of myself as a Jesus freak, and they fi- finally got me one, so I wear it proudly now. Jesus Freak established 1999. Great, great shirt. We need to be like, hey, make a big deal about Jesus everywhere we go. That people will be like, you know what, they're, they're a Jesus freak. Like, you know, like, that's just Romaine. He's a Jesus freak. Like, wow, he's always telling people about Jesus. Wow, man, that, that's great. <clears throat> hey, if people wanted to call me that, and that would be what goes on my you know, tombstone, man, that wouldn't be a bad thing. He was a Jesus freak. Okay, cool. Established 1999. There should be an urgency to share of the good works that he has done in our life, how he brought us out of sin into the light. And if you don't feel like you're confident in this job, like we talked about earlier, like, I don't know really what to say. I don't feel like I'm really doing it. I don't know how to do this, Rich. You know, hey, look, I'm just going to tell you, get trained. Come talk to somebody that can help you get trained. That shouldn't be an excuse anymore. It shouldn't be an excuse anymore. Get trained. Ask. You know, that's one of the most common excuses I hear. What are you going to do? Wait till you're dead? There are a lot of folks who can help you. Don't, don't, man, we need to get trained. Then we can go and follow Jesus' command of Matthew 28, where, you know, he talks about, therefore go and make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey all, all that he's commanded us. We have to be, get, go get trained, and then so then we can go do, make those disciples. Jesus is a big deal, and we have a great message. When I was in the business world, <coughs> excuse me, I, I, I ran a financial business, 
And what I was selling people, when, when I would sell them to, they would call me and call my office and say, hey, I got $2 million and I'm going to retire on this day. Rich, can you come meet with me and give me a plan? When I went to their house, what I was doing was selling them on me. They, I was selling them that they could trust me, that I was going to be discerning, that I was going to have wisdom, that I was going to do a good job with their resources during their retirement, that I was going to manage their money well. That's what I was selling. In many ways, we have the best product. And we're not, we don't have to sell it. We just have to tell people. We have the best product of Jesus, that he came and died on the cross for all of us. And that's really cool. That's really cool. And, and you know, I thought I had a good product to sell, and that's an even better product. That's the best. So we tell and live out his message of reconciliation. When we do that, lives are changed, and God gets the glory. So let me pray for us, um, and uh, let's go out and, and just really be proclaimers this week. Man, go find a friend. Go find a coworker. Go, go talk to your neighbor. You know, be bold. And if they, if they tell you this week, like, man, like, hey, man, I don't want to hear your Jesus stuff or whatever, it's okay. You, sh- you shared it already, okay? And now they know that now they know Emma, she's a Jesus freak. That's it. She kn- she's going to talk to me about Jesus. I told her not to do it anymore. But when they, when they need something, I'll, f- I'll tell you, what I found is, even at my law firm, when, I, when I, I was initially a little bit ostracized because I was always talking about Jesus, and only a couple people, like, wanted to hang out with me because I was always talking about Jesus. Anyways, a couple of those young men gave their lives to Jesus and are now pastors of churches in Phoenix, Arizona, all over the country. And there were the people that would, didn't want to hear from me, a month would go by, another month would go by. Then all of a sudden I'd get a knock on my door, and that person would come in, and they would sit in my office and they'd say, Hey, Rich, I need to talk to you about something. And then they would tell me their deep, dark secret. They would tell me their deep, dark secret. And I'd be like, this person is the one that's been avoiding me and that doesn't want to talk to me and thinks I'm a Jesus freak. Yet they're telling me, you know, that they hit their spouse two nights ago or that they, you know, cheated and on some, you know, whatever. They're telling me their private stuff because they knew I was a person that was trustworthy and that I was honest and I was going to give them good feedback and good, on, honest. And let me tell you, you start going out there and telling people the truth about Jesus and being, being a person that's upright and honest, people are going to come talk to you. And when there's a time of need, well, I was just using Emma as an example, she shares that her friend is going to come talk to her and say, hey, Emma, you know, you shared me about this Jesus stuff. Like, what did he do for you? Like, how did he really help you? Like, they're going to come talk to you. And that would give me an open door to then share the gospel when I was at that law firm. So, all right, that's a long, I tried to close two times already. All right, so let me close now. All right, let me pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Father, help us to be ministers of reconciliation. Father, be people that would go proclaim the gospel, proclaim your words, Father, to others. Father, that that life that you want to give us, Lord God. Father, thank you for, for just letting us be here today and just letting us be representatives, your ambassadors in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, be on the lookout um, this week for um, an email.